listening to the Eccentric Section Podcast with your hosts Breezy Getem and Jody Bro. Alright boys, we're back. The Eccentric Section Podcast. We're joined by uh, the blonde... Or, see, you, you were fucking me up. Talking about <laughs> bombshells and all that. We got my man, the bald bombshell, VJ Hales. And thick here and for hell yeah <laughs> we got soul patrol in the house how are you guys doing doing great how about yourself you know you know us we're just chilling at all times fantastic hey yeah, that's yeah. what we like to hear so okay, I can- we always start out the show with the same icebreaker generic questions and i know vj you're, you're a little busy tonight so we'll try to get to all your questions first but these couple questions both of you can answer right off the bat and we always start out with uh what is your first memory of professional wrestling all right, I'll go first with that. Uh, it was WrestleMania 7. It was Macho Man versus the Ultimate Warrior in a retirement match, and it was Sergeant Slaughter, the Iraqi sympathizer, going up against the real American hero, the Hulkster, baby. And that was uh, – after that, man, I was hooked. That was all it took. How about you, Vic? Um, I'm trying to – I'm actually looking this up right now because – I mean, I was, I'm a little bit younger than uh, VJ because I was born in 91. So I didn't really get into wrestling. I'm trying to remember my first image. And it was actually, it was in 97. And uh, I think it was WCW Starcade, if I believe. Okay. And yeah, okay. I remember because like, it was like, uh, well, obviously like it was when Hollywood Hogan and all of them were doing their thing. And then uh, I remember seeing like fucking Sting and I'm like, the hell is this crazy ass dude with the face paint and then they're getting in fights and i'm like why have i never seen this before and then it kind of just went from there and i think that's what it was it wasn't just like the dudes there but it was like the dude with the face paint i'm like what's on here and then then you get caught up in all that and you know back then i mean that was awesome you know oh hell yeah man for sure yeah so fast forward how about independent wrestling what was your discovery for that i actually was never at an independent wrestling show. Really? Yes. Until your first performance? Uh, yeah, that was the very That's first. Well, crazy. You know, I work in ring crew. Yeah, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. But that was, no, yeah. So my first independent wrestling show was February, I want to say 18th of 2020. Um, and what I remember most about that night was, uh, Mumbo versus Dan Hooven for the high stakes title and um, Hooven being busted wide open. And I remember Argos first Jeff Cobb. Yeah. And uh, that was a crazy night. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Those were my, uh, those are my first memories of independent <laughs> wrestling. And um, I remember Hooven had that head wrap like a mummy for fucking yeah, 48 right. hours. <laughs> <laughs> that was a hard way too, man. That for was, sure. uh, that was a tough blow and he took it like a champ and he, you know, he finished through and uh, you just can't, uh, you can't underestimate that guy's uh, toughness. He is, he is everything that he claims to be and more. For sure. How about you, Vic? Um, same thing with VJ. My actually first independent was whenever I started training and my, it was IW, it was winter take all December, 2017. I was just looking it up now and then it's like all coming back to you. I remember. And I remember specifically like, like I remember Bostic Vegas and then Palace and Wardlow. And I haven't seen any of those guys. And when, when I saw Wardlow, I was like, I'm like, that dude actually looks like he'd be in the pros before he actually got signed yeah. and all that. And 
everybody else. And I was, and that's kind of, that kept me going too. So that only was not only my first independent wrestling show that I was working rank correct, but that also kept me going. Cause I was like, you know, the dudes were, there was a lot of legit dudes. There's someone else too. I don't know if DJ Z was on that show or something like that, but anyway, yeah. that just caught me from there. Uh, so here's a, a question that I didn't have down, but being that that was both of your first independent shows was basically working on ring crew. Did that, was it hard to transition from like fanboying out like, Oh shit, I'm at a wrestling show right now. Or were you strictly like, it was all business from there. Like I'm ring crew and I'm ready here to make my appearance known. No, I was definitely fanboying out. Um, <laughs> just be in that atmosphere to see the setup and just to see everything that went into a production, even, even on a smaller level than a, a WWE. Um, it, it was just nuts. I never expected that, you know, and seeing, just seeing everything that went into it. I mean, it was a, it was a whole new level of respect for, you know, what everybody has to go through to make it in this business. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely fanboyed out, but I think most of all, a, a ultimate respect for what everybody does goes through and sacrifices for their craft. Uh, definitely that night was when it became very, very apparent to me. With you both being like relatively new in the business, I still wondered if there's a moment that stands out to you guys that you hold dearest of your career so far. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I would say uh, my very first singles win um, at 2PW on May the 15th. Um, Mumbo was supposed to be in that match and, uh, he hurt his wrist real bad and was unable to make it. And, um, and, uh, a lot of, a lot of it was thrown on my shoulders whenever I wasn't ready. It was only my second match and, uh, I was trusted to do what I had to and I did it. And, um, and I, uh, I'm still very proud of that match and, and, and definitely a memory that, uh, I don't think I'll ever forget. I would say mine was uh, – oh, by the way, you skipped me on the last question. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it. My bad, brother. <laughs> anyway, but uh, no, I would say probably the match I was – because it was – I remember it was in the middle of COVID. There was a pandemic. We weren't sure if we were going to, like, have wrestling again or what was going to happen. And then uh, IWC had that Brownsville show. I think that was the first show that they had back since the pandemic. It was in June. And uh, I got paired with Spencer. And I remember because that shit was so freaking hot. Like oh, the, dude, mat, I know. the mat was probably like uh, literally like 120 degrees. And I remember like specifically because me and Spencer had a spot where, you know, he's hit me with like three angle slams and I'm hitting him with three Germans. And I remember every single slam, like the, the worst part was at the mat hitting your back. And it was like, like I said, hundred. like I thought like, I was legit like getting hit, like my back hit a grill and Locked it was, in. it was, and like also too, like that, that was wrestling. And it was only like, I think like a six, seven, eight minute match or whatever, but we, we were like training and we were like, we're like, we wouldn't know what we were going to do. So we were like getting ready. Cause we had no idea, but we wanted to make sure that we were like cardio wise. Good. Mm -hmm. And I was probably, cause we went the whole time. Like we didn't stop. I don't even think there was really any gimmick shit. It was just pure wrestling for that. Yeah. But I would say probably that just because with all the circumstances around that. For sure. And I'm not going to skip you then. Let's go back to that last question then. How, how was your reaction? No. What was, well, I don't even remember what the last question was. <laughs> <laughs> 
If I remember correctly, it was basically when you were there, were you uh, fanboying out or were you? Oh, no, strictly business for strictly sure. Strictly business for you? And then, like, I would say I almost, I started fanboying. I never really say I have been a fanboy just because, like, I always like wrestling, but it's never been, like, a passion of mine just because, like, I was always more into probably, like, MMA or, like, football or things like that. Like, watching-wise, like, mm-hmm. I would think out for that. But, like, whenever I first went to that show, I was strictly business just because I was, like, sitting in a chair. And I didn't know, like, what to really expect. So, like, thinking, like, I have to, like, legit be, like, real security. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, yeah, you right. are legit security, but, like, you're standing there. Hey, you after the last couple of shows, shit's been getting rowdy, so the trainees yeah. right now never know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you also don't want to mess up and like not do something when you're supposed to, because you obviously you don't want to interfere with someone's spot, but you also don't want to like not do anything because it's like, like you said, shit can go wild. You yeah, know what I mean? For sure. They were security was a little bit lenient with us whenever we kicked uh, uh, Cliff and Angelo's ass. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> gave a little bit of liberty with that, but hey, you know. yeah, real shitty security. Ain't a yeah, it was. <laughs> All right, VJ, like I said, we'll focus on you a little bit because I know you got a busy schedule ahead of you. So uh, you're a man that I like to say has just as many days in Facebook jail as you do abs. And, <laughs> and I was wondering, uh, before we get to all like the Facebook drama and stuff, with you having abs and all that now, you you weren't the, you were basically a wrestling fan at one point. You were built like the rest of us, and now you're this chiseled fucking god in the ring. So I want to know kind of like what that journey was like for you and what was the turning point? Uh, that's been a, that's been a journey my entire life. Um, you know, I remember being at the pediatrician as a kid and uh, them telling my mom I had to go on a diet. I was like five, six years old. I mean, it was, it, it has been a lifelong struggle. Um, and I would, you know, I'd fluctuate back and forth and it, Really got out of hand in 2007. Um, I ballooned up to 270 pounds. I could barely make it up the stairs without being out of sh- out of breath. And uh, later that summer, I um, actually stopped lifting weights and just ran and ran until I couldn't run anymore. Um, and by the end of the summer, within four months, I had went from 270 to 190. Holy um, fuck. Yeah. And that was the first. Uh, yeah, that was the first big drop. Um, and then I met my wife, um, she got pregnant, so she wanted snacks. I'm like, Oh, well, yeah, I'll get myself a snack too. What yeah. the hell? You know, and they're done uh, that brother. I know I always a perfectly it. good trip. Yeah, man. I mean, you know what that's like. And, um, got back up to about 210. Uh, that was probably in like 2012, 2013. Um, and, uh, kind of like hung around there. I'd go. I dropped down to like 195, 215. I just, I bounced back and forth. I was like in shape for a day or two and then I'd fall out of shape. And I, it was very inconsistent. That's the best way I can put it. I, mm-hmm. I had no consistency in what I was doing. And around 2017, I learned about myself that I don't do moderation. I can't have a piece of cake. I can't have a beer, you know, I can't take the one pain pill the doctor gave me for my knee surgery. Yeah. I know that about myself. I'm not a moderation guy. Um, so I just stopped. I don't have fast foods, fried food, bread, pasta. Uh, you know, my treat at night is two scoops of protein powder 
with a little bit of unsweetened almond milk until it's a thick paste and I add some frozen strawberries. That is about as bad as my diet gets now. Wow. It's been that way since about 2017. And, and, you know, once you get to that point to where you're, you're feeling good and your workouts are good and everything's, you know, going well, now it's time. How can you go to the next level? Mm -hmm. So what can I cut out now? You know, Oh, I see some upper abs. Okay. What do I, you know, like, what can I add to my workout now? You know, here comes the lower abs. And it was just taking something that I finally found work and fine tuning it. And still to this day, I fine tune my workouts and my eating and try to find different things that work better for me. So when you're also away from the ring, as much as you like to give people a hard time on Facebook about being fat and whatnot, if, if people are paying enough attention to you, they'll also know that you're actually helping people being a fitness trainer. And <laughs> the, the biggest thing with that is what, what does personal training basically give back to you that not only helps you stay on track with your diet, but how has it helped you with your wrestling career? Jeez, I, I don't know that I've ever made the correlation between the two. Um, you know, I mean, I, you know, as much as I, I get into with, with people, uh, you know, as, as, as much as VJ gets into it with people, uh, <laughs> Vince really wants to help people and wants, doesn't want them to make the same mistakes that he made. Um, like I said, this has been since I was a little kid, you know, I'm 35 years old. You know, so let's just say 30 years of doing this, you know, if I could save someone a month or two or a year or two of heartache and disappointment and, you know, putting in the effort, but because they're maybe missing one or two things, they're really not doing it the right way. And rather than get somewhere in a year, now they're discouraged after that year and they think that nothing they ever will do will work. Mm -hmm. So I love to just show them that, listen, with a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of understanding that none of us are the same. Um, you can get to where you want to go. It's not a lost cause. Um, but as far as wrestling, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, you want to talk about the complete opposite of, of how I am in my real life. I mean, I, you know, I guess maybe um, VJ is, uh, you know, worried, you know, he sees a little bit of himself in those people and, and, you know, definitely not a part that I ever enjoyed about myself. Um, so maybe, maybe that whole time I'm yelling at myself and uh, call myself a fat zone, you know, yeah. hope I hope I hear the message, you know, no matter how stiff it actually is. It's a good way to keep yourself on track for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. So, man. Yeah. What's what's a piece of advice you would give to somebody maybe listening right now that's been kicking around the idea of starting a, a weight loss journey or just getting fit in general? Keep it simple. So what I mean by that, I mean more about diet with that. Um, where, you know, people get very, very motivated. Um from for you know for the, you know their first week so they go buy all this fresh meat and all these fresh vegetables and they prep it and they cook it and they chop it and they do all this stuff and they're real excited that first week well then their kid gets sick and their washer breaks and all this shit happens and week two comes around and they're like fuck i gotta cook 10 pounds of chicken and cut up all this goddamn broccoli this take forever the mess takes forever to clean up fuck this i'm not doing it anymore you know, you can't live in that one week of excitement. Um, you have to be realistic about your time and what you're going to do to make it work. So my advice to everybody is to just keep it simple. Buy frozen vegetables, buy already cooked frozen chicken breast. I know it's loaded with sodium, 
Those are fine details. You can get there later. Um, you're not stepping on stage for the Mr. Olympia. Who cares? Get some basic fundamentals down, keep it simple, and then move on from there. For sure. Uh, yeah, cool. All right, All enough right. being nice. Let's get right into things. Facebook jail is a thing. You're always in there for uh, people being too soft and social media just attacking you and they don't they don't want to let you live your life. So us having this podcast, we got a platform that's open and you can get anything off your chest. And I know you've had a little bit built up that you said you want to uh, unleash the beast basically on the podcast. So I won't say anymore. I'll let you do your thing. Yeah. I mean, these people always want to run their mouths and, and you know, and they want to attack me. And they think that I'm going to come at them, you know, real friendly. Like, no, I'm going to tell you that you're a fat pig. Your wife's a fat pig. You know, you should be embarrassed to go out in public without having her on a leash. Uh, I mean, you know, these people just get in these, these battles with words. They're just not going to win. I will talk circles around you. I will talk you until you are dizzy. You know, I've always said I'm not the biggest guy as far as height. You might as well hit me because you will never absolutely ever out talk me it's just not going to happen i am an assassin with words <laughs> i don't care who it is you you fancy yourself a talker i will talk circles around you i don't know anybody who's as good on the mic as me hell yeah Ooh, you fucking shit, heard baby. it baby you heard yeah. it there you go bro <laughs> <laughs> with, love it with confidence like that too I mean, I, I'm guessing you're already thinking you're rookie of the year already, right? I mean, I already called my mom and told her that I won. Hell yeah. Uh, that, was, like, that was back in April. I was like, hey, Monk, that's what I was won rookie of the year. <laughs> um, you know, she congratulated me and everything, and um, but she knew it was coming. I mean, no, who are they going to pick? I mean, you got – I mean, I guess Preston Everest is okay. I mean, if, I no. know, if you oh, like yeah. the snow. Um, but, I mean, what? You got uh, Dior Castro. He's like a – boxer like in a in a dictator or something you got <laughs> julian jay who i mean he's oh god i mean if he gets any bigger he's gonna spill out of that fucking unitard i mean jesus christ uh and who else i'm even forgetting the rest of them there's you got garrett who not worth that garrett. Not worth that. who yeah all right all right i got sorry, you. i didn't I even know you. he was a professional you. wrestler i mean yeah, I saw him at practice like seven months ago, but I mean, fuck, you know, Son of a bitch. I think he just set up a Facebook account yesterday. I mean, listen, none of these people are doing what I'm doing. Nobody's getting the fan reaction like I'm getting. No one's working the crowd like I work them. They, I mean, God, they, they grovel and they crawl for just an opportunity to wrestle. They're, they're begging these promote. I actually heard Julian say he was going to pay a promoter. To be able to work there, and that's how desperate Jesus these guys Christ, are. Julian, get your and, shit together, you know, dog. Just turning down offers left and right. I mean, for anybody else to be forget rookie of the year, I should be superstar of the year. I mean, come on, is there anybody you think is better than me? No, I don't answer that. I'll answer for you. The answer is no. All I know is you're just proving your point right now. Best talker right now in the game. Period. Period. Exclamation point. Semicolon. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, VJ. So another question I got for you is with you starting your career at a later point in life, do you feel that puts you at a disadvantage? Yes and no. Um, will I ever be seriously looked at by a major promotion? Absolutely not. Um, you know, not just I'm 35, I'm five foot seven. Listen, I don't, I'm a, 
I'm a realist. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm doing. Um, so in that regard, it puts me at a disadvantage. I feel like it were, I feel like where it gives me the advantage is in the, let's say integrity game. Um, I don't politic. I don't kiss ass. What you see is what you get. Um, I don't try to give people bad advice. Um, I don't try to stick my nose where it doesn't belong. Um, I just feel like I'm more mature so that I don't fall into um, some of the negatives or downsides of the business. Um, and I feel like I'm able to handle it a lot better and I sleep better at night. I know that, you know, every call or text or message that I've got to go work somewhere was because someone saw something they liked, whether it be me talking or whether it be my body. Um, I mean, the third option would be my work in the ring, but I don't think it was option three. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, everything I've got, I can honestly say that I've earned. Um, I don't politic. I don't talk other people out of jobs. I, I try to get people into places, yeah. you know, my, you know, the guys that I came up with that I trained with, I mean, I know I just cut a promo on them, but, you know, deep down inside, I love them and I do anything for them. And I, you know, I try to help out as much as I can with the people that I've gotten tight with that maybe they aren't, um, yeah. you know, sure. I, uh, so I would say the advantage is maturity cause I don't get sucked into those games. Um, and like I said, I sleep better at night. I know that I can look myself in the mirror and say, I put an honest effort in and, um, and that I didn't backstab or do anything I shouldn't have done to uh, get it. I got you. Very respectable answer. Yeah, that was solid. Um, I know we're going to touch up on the up. We're going to touch on the upcoming tag match you guys have against brotherly love. But before we get to that, VJ, I know you'll be busy Saturday, August 28th up at two PW's homecoming show against John Roden. And I was wondering if you could maybe give us a little insight on what the plan of attack is, or maybe something you want us or John to know. Man, I mean, you won't find a competitor tougher than John Roden. I mean, that, I mean, that's just uh, the facts. And if I told myself any differently, I wouldn't be doing myself a service. Um, but the past is the past. Uh, you know, you can't hang your hat on what you've done. You know, you kind of sound like Al Bundy in that regard. Uh, you know, I scored three, three touchdowns in high school. Well, guess what, man? You're like 45 years old. It's time to move on. And uh, I think by moving on, they move on to me. And uh, oh, yeah. You know, I think the juggernaut is going to find out what the bombshell is all about. And um, as far as a plan of attack, I, man, I never went up against anyone as stout as him. Uh, I mean, he's a big, he's a big boy. And there's, you know, there's a lot there to move. There's a lot coming at you. Uh, so it's facts uh, that look at you. You look like you pick up things and set things down a lot in life. So I don't think that's going to yeah. be a problem for you. Listen, man, those things aren't running at me a hundred miles an hour <laughs> either. So, um, no, I mean, you know, I got a couple ideas in my head of, of a, a strategy that I might take. And, um, I guess if you want to find out, you have to buy a ticket for the 28th. Hell yeah. You already know we'll be there front row like always. Um, but yeah, let's get right into this whole Swole Patrol gimmick we got with, with you guys. How did the whole concept of you two becoming a team come up to you guys? Vic? Oh. You guys can hear me? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you muted yourself again, Vic. Get it together. <laughs> Vic, you're on mute, dog. 
Did he put himself back on mute? Yeah, he's still on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Do not dump this. This has to be in the show, please. Vic, we can't hear you, dog. <laughs> Wait, maybe he can't hear us either now. <laughs> that or he's saying, All right, he wanted to say. Yo. Yeah, my bad. God, <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, shit. All right, so Swole Patrol, how did that shit begin? Um, I forget who it was. Someone's someone told me it might have been Chris LaRusso. I'm not sure. He's like, hey, there's this guy named Vince for VJ. And he's like you, but a little bit smaller than you. <laughs> and I was and then I think just uh, I, I basically we I talked to I think Vince one day and we kind of just came to understanding like this should be a tag team only because like our charisma is on par. Our mm-hmm. bodies are on par. We got, you know, similar heelish tactics. You know, we're not afraid to say what we want. We have very similar interests in like how we see what professional wrestling should be. We don't give a damn about what your opinions are. And it was just like, it was just meant to be like, so basically, uh, I think we were like, we first became a team and did something in Brownsville and then, you know, we just came up with the gimmick where, you know, we fucking curl the dude, slam him down, and fucking <laughs> do, like the arm wrestling shit. And it was just like, yeah, like this works. You know what I mean? This is some this is some shit you don't see every day. So you got to stay up with it. And then, you know, all that together and then, you know, hard work. You know what I mean? You can't replace that shit. Me and VJ work harder than fucking, you know, anybody out there. So I would say that's how that shit started. I got you. Here's a random question I have. Being that you're both bald headed, I was wondering, does that create an advantage or a disadvantage when in the ring? Because I always wondered, like, does that make extra sweat go in your face or is it less? Like, no, it's, it's so much more. Fuck. <laughs> you think? Oh, dude, the, I after about two minutes, I can barely see anything. It's just, you know, <laughs> Look at you fucking the, the sweat yeah. all my contacts, and I'm just I, I'm I'm just I, going on instinct at that point, man. It, it's <laughs> it's terrible. I wish like hell that I had something to sop up, even just a little bit. Um, but that's see, it's a double edged sword because I'm extremely sweaty. Ask Chris Larusso how much he hates how sweaty I am. <laughs> yeah, I but think- I feel like. I feel like sweat's like a generic thing. Like, you know, I mean, shit, go to Kennywood or Sandcastle and I can show you a bunch of sweaty, fat, gross <laughs> people. And like, hey, you don't even got to go that far, Vic. You could just look in the crowd and point us out. <laughs> I mean, you said it, not me, bro. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I feel like just, you just know some people are just sweaty. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's in their jeans or, you know, if their dad just, you know, had knocked, yeah, I don't know, whatever. But yeah, it's just like, I love you. But no, I would say bald, I would say it has more advantages. You know what I mean? In the wrestling ring. Yeah, you can have sweat, but, you know, headbutt the shit out of somebody and, you know, you uh, you got the advantage right there. That's an extra strike in your back pocket, you know? Oh, yeah. I never thought of it that way. With you both being body guys, I know, VJ, you just said that you don't really cheat at all with your meals. I was wondering, I had it set up to ask both of you, but I guess I'll just ask Vic, what's a cheat meal that you like to partake in? Uh, alcohol, alcohol, and more alcohol. Let's and, go. And, you know, you have a cheat meal, by the way. Okay, what is it? it then? Eating for you, but it is for me. 
uh, every now and again, I will eat an entire watermelon, like a family size. That's not a cheat meal. <laughs> Dude, there that's the start of a eat. diet for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what you put. You put some booze in that watermelon. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna pick yeah. on this. That one, sounds baby. like yeah. That sounds put nice. Vodka in there. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> Since you guys were put together as a tag team and started to really grow chemistry together, is there anybody that you guys study to help you influence the uh, the communication as a team? We did watch some early videos. Uh, a lot of Road Warriors. Um, little bit of power and glory. Uh, trying to think who else would be. Um, I've watched some like Steiner Brothers, things like that. Um, who's Foundation, Nasty Boys. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So what's the ultimate goal for Swole Patrol? Not only as a team, but as, in the, as let me think how to work. Not only as a team, but as single competitors. Uh, basically to go around this tri-state area to all these shithole towns and create chaos and win titles, baby. I mean, like I said, with this type of charisma, our bodies, our dedication, you know, I think this could go a long way. I mean, why not? I mean, like I said, it all depends on how it catches on, but I think so far, you know, that's gotta be the overall goal just because like you said, like VJ's 35, I'm 30, you know, while we, while we got this tandem together, let's, you know, Let's do some business for real. For sure. How about you, VJ? Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy working singles a little bit, but I really enjoy being in a tag team. I love every aspect of tag team wrestling. I think it is the most overlooked part of professional wrestling today. If you're going to watch it on TV, nobody's tag division usually is stacked or they take it seriously and – um, you know, I would like to see him and I become tag champs someday. Oh, and yeah. I think that's a very real possibility. I think that we have the talent. Um, I think that we have the fortitude and, uh, I think we have everything it takes and I, I can see that happening. Yeah, I agree, man. You guys are definitely an excellent heel tag team. I see that right around the corner. No doubt. Not not just to, to add to that, too. You got the fact that you and TME might not always agree, but the whole uh, book more tag matches, you cowards, I'm sure it might be a slogan you guys are in full agreement with. I absolutely love Duke Davis. That was the greatest thing that he ever came up with. And God bless that man, because there needs to be more tag matches. Sure. I couldn't agree more, man. And if we can contribute to that, like along with them, like if – us and T and me can help. Like after we're gone, people are watching more tag matches. I mean, that's more of a reward than winning titles, as far yeah, as I'm. No doubt. You know what I mean? Not just that, but more, you know what I mean? Just having more people like understand, like you don't have to be the superstar of a company. Like go out with somebody else, find similarities with one another, and go out and you know put out a product that people will like. You know what I mean? Because like I said, like you can't, you go on TV. There's not real. I mean, there are, there are tag teams that pull out good products, but like, you know, I feel like everybody just wants to, and I mean, I've been there too. I think everybody, when you first get into it, you want to be the individual superstar, but sometimes like you got to understand, like maybe tonight, maybe now is not your time yeah. or maybe it's not your time, but like you see someone across the way, it's like, you know, you both could help each other achieve your dreams of 
you know, being a tag team champ or getting noticed or getting on your favorite promotion or just putting on a good show in general, you know? For sure. And you guys are contributing to that this Saturday at Cage Fury. Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but no um, I have to just say that what Vic just said was beautiful. Uh, 100%. But fuck that. I'd rather be the tag champ. <laughs> Let's <laughs> go, baby. <laughs> fuck yeah. But like I yeah. said, this Saturday, you guys are contributing to the whole tag division and just the whole book more tag matches. Even though there's some uh, bad blood right now between you and the team of Brotherly Love, they're finally getting their debut. So win, lose, or draw for them, the fact that their first match is against you guys is going to be something they'll never forget. And uh, being all the Proving Ground shows leading up to this show, you guys have had the upper hand. I mean, Vic, you got the win. VJ, you got you got a uh, you might you know you didn't win, but you guys won because you fucking made sure that your presence was known. And then the the pre-show brawl you guys had at uh, fight night, you guys had the upper hand there too. So as of right now, I think you guys are like three and zero on them when it comes to like meeting each other. So I don't. What do you guys think this Saturday? You guys think that changes at all? No, I think we're gonna carry that through because if you really look at it. You know, yeah, we might be three and zero at shows, but in life we're a thousand and zero. I mean, look at them. You got uh, Ricky, who's what? I think he's four foot two. He makes me feel tall, so that just tells you what a little troll he is. Um, I'm surprised he's not in someone's backyard as their gnome. Um, one of those little pointy hats on. I think scaring away the squirrels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then you got Cliff. You know, I think he weighs 102 pounds. He's like six foot eight. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you just look at them and just how disgusting they are, and they always look dirty and just like real unkempt, just like pure white trash. And I mean, so, yeah, we're three, and zero in the ring, but we're batting a thousand at life over them. So that's really what matters. For sure. You got anything to add to that, Vic? I mean, bravo. I mean, could my tag meet say tag team members say anything that wasn't more accurate? I mean. These dudes, I mean, they're they're chumps. Let's just be frank. They're chumps. I get it. There's a bunch of people from Philly. They're going to come. They're going to cheer them on. You know, it's going to be like their Rocky eight or how many goddamn terrible movies they made of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're just they're like, I think they're trying to relive those glory days of their fake superhero. You know what I mean? And yeah, you know, I mean, think about that. An entire city's fame is built around a fictional boxer they take a fictional story and they're proud about it they cheer like morons they boo santa claus but they cheer rocky what a bunch of mindless stupid idiotic nincompoops oh they're worse they threw snowballs at santa claus they didn't boo him so there's going to be literally there's no empathy towards these guys, and if their fans are feeling froggy, we'll come on in, dude. Honestly, we'll jack you all up. Honestly, the, the big thing about this, guys, is you guys are coming in this technically as the heel tag team, but Pittsburgh and Philly always has this rivalry. The way I look at it is the whole crowd should be behind you guys, right? Listen, the, the crowd should always be behind this. Who wouldn't want to cheer on? two of the best-looking, best-built individuals that Pennsylvania for sure has ever seen. I mean, God, have you seen some of the people in this state? They're disgusting. I mean, even here in Pittsburgh and in Philadelphia, anywhere, they're gross, they're morose, they're obese, okay? 
God, there's not a brain cell between the rest of them. <laughs> They're terrible. I mean, just on that alone, the whole crowd should throw themselves at us just for how great we look. Nah, I, I would have to agree. I mean, they should, but they won't, VJ, because I think psychologically we're like in their heads about like this is this is what perfect body image looks like. Like if you're trying to be a man, this like we're the model for that. And the fact that they're not, even if we're from Pittsburgh, that still makes them feel emasculated. So I feel like they're not going to be behind us. They're just going to boo us. They don't care whether we're trying to help them with their diet or, you know, give them health tips. You know, sometimes you got to be called out whenever you're, you know, a fat turd. But, you know, hey, you know, we will not pressure anybody, but you should cheer for us. Like, if you know it's good for you. Now Listen, gotta- I've said it a thousand times. Jealousy is a bad look. And all you people wear it on your face when you see us. It's as clear as day. We got to get into the deep dive question, boys. Are you guys a Cowboys fans? Fuck no. <laughs> no. Why would you ask that? Because they're always yelling, go birds. And that they seem more worried about the Philly Eagles and the Dallas Cowboy rivalry than you guys. Listen, listen. I don't care how much I hate Cliff and Ricky and, and Dickie and the rest of the whole crew. I, I, I cannot cheer for anything from Dallas. <laughs> I mean, don't even get me started on the despicable human beings that played for that franchise. No, and VJ will back me up on this. We, if there's anybody's jerseys we're going to wear, it's our names. We don't wear people's other names and jerseys and try to be other people and pretend that, you know, oh, I'm Troy Polamalu. Oh, I'm Dak Prescott. Oh, oh hey, name. guys, look at my cool Minka Fitzpatrick shirt. Oh, it no. has his name on it. No, no, no. You should want to. You should want a jersey with my name on it, okay? <laughs> I should be your hero. I should be your kid's hero. I mean, hell, I'm in your house when you're at school with your mom anyway. Hell yeah. You know, I might as well be your hero, too. We're in your minds rent-free. So what does it matter? You know, just go with it. Vic, let's touch on some things with your career. Before you got into the squared circle, though, you used to be a champion on the mat. I was wondering yeah. how long you wrestled. Uh... Since since seventh grade, and then two years of college, so all together, one, two, three, four, five, like I think nine, ten years, something like that. I wrestled, and um, you know, it was a great experience. I mean, talk about like, especially with, I mean, did you guys look at all the Olympics and all the dudes who won the gold? I mean, we had the first, I think they had the first black African American woman to win a gold medal in wrestling, and then. Other dude I know who I guess he might be in talks with WWE is the um, oh, now I'm just drawing a blank. He won uh, 125 kilograms. He went to Minnesota. Brock uh, Lesnar. No, no, he's shit. No, it just happened. I mean, I have to look. We'll take up. we'll take your word for it, though. No, no, no. I'll, I'll no, think no. About it was it. definitely Brock Lesnar. I'm going to interject here. I remember as clear as day. Uh, Brock Lesnar definitely won the kilograms or whatever he said. And then he played for the Vikings after because it was Minnesota. That's right. No, but no, but Brock, no, but I don't think Brock Lesnar didn't win Olympic gold. He won an NCAA championship, but he never won the Olympics. You're thinking of Kurt Angle. He won the Olympics at 125, and that was in 95. But uh, no, his name is, give me one second. And the only reason why I was going to bring it up was just because, like, he is, um, 
I guess what talks to WWE just because he talks to Brock Lesnar all the time and uh, he knows Paul Heyman and all of them. So, uh, so while you're looking that up, has a big part of your wrestling career been focusing on guys like Lesnar and Angle that have had that background? Definitely. Well, I would say before I even got into um, pro wrestling, I was mo- looking more probably like in the MMA angle just because I thought, you know, with the experience doing that, and then I trained for boxing. Like, I never, like, actually, like, worked for a trainer, but I worked – like at a gym for a couple of years. So with those two, I went into that aspect, but then I found out like, I think pro wrestling's more at my angle just because um, not just with like how I like about it, like the showmanship the aspect, but you know, also yeah. like the camaraderie that you do get with a lot of these dudes that um, I didn't even think that would even be like a, um, like, uh, like a thing that I would really care about until I got into this thing. So it was pretty cool. But yeah. um Gable Stevenson. That was the dude's name. Awesome. We'll definitely yeah, anyway, keep keep a lookout for that guy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, just I did that and then yeah, got into wrestling from there. I got you. How successful were you in your amateur wrestling career? Uh, I was good in high school. I wasn't really good in college. Um, high school, I mean, I think I got close to hundred wins, but I didn't get a hundred. It was like 90 something. And in college, um, I would say prop. I wrestled at Lock Haven University, which is like small Division One school, and yeah. we, were, we were going against dudes that were like at Penn State, uh, going up against like you know West WVU, uh, Bloomsburg, Clarion, uh, whatever. So basically, you know, I try to go into that because I felt like if I'm going to do if I'm going to go collegiate level, I'm going to do Division One and. Little did I know, like, you know, when you're with the big boys, you're with the big boys. So you got to buck up. But as far as like an overall record, I mean, I probably couldn't tell you, but it definitely wasn't a winning one whenever I was in college. And But, you know, I would say you win, you uh, you learn more from your losses than you do your wins. And that's for, for sure. Yeah. How was your transition from the mat to the ring? Uh, it's similar, but different. Uh Obviously, sometimes the footwork comes with you because whether you're in wrestling or you're in boxing or pro wrestling or any type of sport, kind of like how you use your hips and how the the fluidity of using your feet, that stays with you always. You don't lose that, and it's easy to transition to that. Um, And then as far as like, especially with uh, amateur wrestling, like, Everybody's got to, you got to stay in tip top shape. You got to be in a diet, you know? So that uh, obviously transitions for, you know, if you need to be a body guy, not saying everybody is, but you know, that helps you transition into that. And, you know, just know what you have to do if you want to be like a winner, honestly. For sure. And yeah. So one of your finishers in the ring is the diving headbutt. And I was wondering with all the stigma between head trauma and all that, if you're worried about a move like that shortening your career. No, because um, back in those days, I mean, listen, those guys were wrestling every day, seven days a week. Now, if I was hitting a diving headbutt every day of the week, yeah, I'd be concerned. But I only usually toss that out unless it's a last resort and that's what I need to do. You know what I mean? I got you. That's a little bit different. Because like I said, those dudes are on the road. They were warriors. They were doing those moves every day. Like, I bet if 
Hogan only did a leg drop once a week or every once in a while, he wouldn't have lost four inches on his spine. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I got you. So anybody that follows your social media presence knows that you got like a slogan for every day of the week. Like yesterday would have been making that money Monday. Today we we know is tapping that ass Tuesday and so on. But I was wondering what influenced you to kind of come up with those slogans and have make you have that mindset to keep you focused. Well, I feel like like what do most people say about Monday? It's the shittiest day of the week. And I feel like that's the day you got to hustle the most. That's the day you got to make money. That's the day you got to go to the gym. That's the day that you got to say, you know, fuck all the bullshit. Let's get after it. And, you know, I feel like make that money Monday. Yeah, it's kind of like a play on words, but I use that as kind of like, you know, you got to make that money if you want to be worth anything. And money is a literal term. It doesn't have to be exactly cash. It it just means you got to get your hustle. And then and then tap that ass Tuesday. That just goes with, you know, hey, if you crushed it, you're crushing it in life. You're killing it like me and VJ. Oh, no, I'm taking that shit literal. I, I, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just like, I always did. I just went to my girl. I'm like, you know what? Today is it's Tuesday, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it has a figuratively and a, you know, literal meaning. Yeah, for sure. Oh, it works. <laughs> I got you. But no, man, tell your girlfriends to tap that ass Tuesday. Every, <laughs> every day I'm concerned to tap that ass. Whatever. Oh, 100%. Dude, period, period. It just gotcha. goes with real nice, you know? <laughs> He's a fucking wild man. I love it. Oh, shit. <laughs> so we always like to give the com- competition in the ring a hard time when they're going against one of the people we're cheering for. And Vic, you've been on the opposing side a couple times, and we've given you a hard time. We are calling you Rubber Steve because you kind of look like the old – fucking stone cold figures and shit just to fuck with you and vj you've heard the fucking vin diesel and all that shit so i was wondering this is kind of a question you both can answer is what's the most interesting or funny chant you've heard from a crowd uh <laughs> that was i was in spencer west virginia and uh i was working i was working singles whenever i work singles i come out in a uh very gaudy, very over-the-top leopard jacket. And, you know, very used to, you know, a very understanding and tolerable society we now live in where, you know, there's certain things you don't say. And I come out and I get a couple boos. You know, they don't really know me, so it's a little bit more on the silent side. And I take a corner of the post and (laughs) open my jacket. I From the back of me, I just hear, I mean, it's, it's pretty silent here. I just hear, Nice coach, you fag. And it took <laughs> everything I had to hold in my laughter. I was up there like, because it was just so like, it was like a movie. It was like so silent at that one moment. And you could tell the guy had his hand over his face. So like, you know, no one would know that it was him, like one of those deals. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God. How about you? I'd, say, I'd say the best one I heard. It was pretty funny. It's I heard uh, PEDs. PEDs. P-E-D. <laughs> Come on. And I was just like, you assholes. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty funny. Like, even out of the I was like, that's pretty good. Vic, with AEW being in town, it's only right I got to ask you. The last time AEW was in town, you got to work security there, and you were noticeably the guy to hold Chris Jericho back. So I was Damn wondering right. what that opportunity was like and how it was brought up to you. I got a message. Asking, hey, anybody, anybody want to work tonight? I don't even think it was specific. 
And I was just like, yeah, I'll do some work tonight. It was Thursday. And he's like, all right, come to Peterson Center. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. So went down there. And I remember, you know, wearing, I was wearing like a nice, I was wearing a nice clothes. I went down there, tried to impress everybody, introduce myself to everybody working there, uh, the wrestlers and the crew, staff and everything. And, um, you know, it was pretty sweet because I talked to like Cody Rhodes before and QT Marshall about the situation we were doing. And then the spot we had was not only me holding Chris back or Chris Jericho back, but I remember after that whole spot, you know, I'm excited and all that shit. And I go out the door and lose the left is DDP. And then me, DDP, like I was like, dude, like that was pretty sweet. And the next thing I know, I'm talking, I'm like talking, walking outside next to you. And I was like, yo, dude, I'm a fan. And I was like, this is awesome. And uh, basically just started off by like getting a random message, be like, hey, can you work today? And I didn't even know like what I was doing, but sometimes you just got to say yes, you know? Yeah, dude, that was fucking awesome. Did you get to meet a bunch of the guys you looked up to before or after the experience? Um, I wouldn't say afterwards, just because like once the show is done, everybody's got their own thing and I'm not going to be that Mark or that dude that's going to be like, dude, can I talk to you? Can I, yeah. you know, whatever. 100%, yeah, I get it. But no, but I'm talking about before the show, like, um, that's kind of where I was like talking to everybody and, you know, cause not only were we just getting, and I, I'm not saying I was like having full blown, like half hour conversations with these people, but at the same time, like, you know. It yeah. was pretty, it was pretty surreal. It was pretty sweet. And then being in that arena with like their setup, like AEW's got, a, I think they have a pretty stellar setup with like the lights and the cameras and like their stage crew and everything. So it was pretty cool. And then, yeah, talking to them. And I remember the dark order too, cause I was, that wasn't something I guess I was in that part of the match too, even though I called Briarco back, we were doing that spot too. So I was talking to a bunch of different people, but no, it was sweet. That's awesome. Hey, boys, oh, yeah, the uh, neighbor lady just texted me. I got to go bang one out with her real quick while her husband's at the store. Uh, was there anything else you need to ask me before I uh, went and handled my business? No, sir. We'll let you go. We Actually, I got one for you, and then we'll give the 10 randoms to Vic. So we always end our podcast with a, a top four personal favorite Mount Rushmore of wrestling. And before you go, we'd like to hear your four. So, oh, well. My favorite or who I think are the top four? We like to go off different. a favorite. Favorites? Yep. Okay. Uh, Bret Hart. Macho Man Randy Savage. Ravishing Rick Rude. Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Perfect. You're out of here. Go tell the neighbor lady we said hi. I will. Thanks, <laughs> boys. Right, thank you, yes, brother. Yes, sir. See you guys. See you, Vic. See you. Take it easy, brother. Bro. All right, Vic. So, same question for you. Who's your top four personal Rushmore? Then my favorite one, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, Rick Flair, Macho Man, Big Papa Pump. Nice. And for my fourth, uh, dude, I love Rick Rude too, man. So, even though I'm taking one of his, I mean, yeah. he's no, that's man. solid. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Solid. And uh, uh, yeah, it was nice to get different answers too this time. Hundred percent. What does everybody yeah. say? Oh, I like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's always like Hogan, The Rock, Stone Cold, and like Jericho or Triple H or something, which are not all understandable. But I like when it's mixed up. No, but if everything, yeah, yeah, no, I got hundred percent. And then uh, 
I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, but another thing we do before we conclude the show is 10 random questions. And the 10 random questions aren't guided at you. We just have a long ass list. And basically every guest that comes on, the very next guest gets to 10 and then so on and so on. So we'll start out with number one is, have you ever cheated in a relationship? Yes. (laughs) Number two is what sport are you best at outside of the ring? Uh, football. What position did you play? Uh, linebacker, defensive end. Nice. Good shit. Three is, have you ever went streaking? Yes. (laughs) Hell yeah. Uh, number four is you just put money in a jukebox. What's the first song that you play? Ooh, right now. I would say, no, I'm going to go old school. I'm putting on some Motley Crue. Let's go wild thing. Motley Crue. Nice, dude. Nice. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Uh, are you pro-life or pro-choice? Oh, really? You can ask me that? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we got other questions. We'll just keep going, dog. Uh, we can no, get nobody honestly, canceled. You could be a dick. I mean, I'll let me be frank. I'm pro-choice. Do what you want. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, no, nah, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what's the best face paint design out of any anything? Best faint like face paint design as far as like what wrestlers have put on? I guess anybody. It doesn't, it's not it's not strict to just wrestling. It can be anybody. Well, some people go like all extreme. Like I remember I told you earlier about like I thought sting, like when I was my first view. I would say actually probably like I just like it kind of simple, like the road warriors. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. Face point like that. No, nothing too crazy, but yet it, it distinguishes masculinity for sure. Yeah, I definitely always like their face paint. Uh, Seven is, what's a useless fact that you find interesting? Uh, I think the human head weighs eight and a half pounds. Oh, shit. Fuck you. You learn something new every day. (laughs) Uh, What's your view on death? Uh, It's inevitable. Yeah. Nine is, what's the best bumper sticker saying that you've ever seen? I wouldn't say it's the best, but it's like the only one I can really think of is I always see the one that people that say that put coexist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I see those all the fun. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I don't mind. I like I like everybody. Everybody should get mm-hmm. along. Quit the fucking bullshit. Coexist, you know. No For doubt, sure. no doubt. And then last, uh, do you know the show American Dad? Yeah. Okay. Would you rather share an alcoholic beverage with Roger from American Dad or eat Reese's Pieces with ET? Have a beverage, with Roger. Hell period yeah. that dude's yeah. hilarious all right vic uh that's basically all we got for you we definitely appreciate you and vj coming on the show it's been a long time coming uh before yes, you go is there any matches merch or social medias you'd like to plug uh no just follow me on facebook thick vic uh thick vic braun you can follow me on instagram facebook twitter um matches coming up this saturday uh, we wrestled uh, Brotherly Love at Elizabeth Center, and then next week I will be. We will. Me and VJ will be in Altoona wrestling the Rad Boys and Imagine. Nice. And then from there, I mean, just stay tuned, baby. There's more to come. Hell yeah! God damn right. Thanks again. All right, take care, right. boys. Peace. Hey, take it easy, man. Later. Good night, and always remember that's.